This is Do Good and Do Well, the podcast for people who want to make a positive difference in the world without losing themselves in the process. I'm Sarah Fox, life, business and leadership coach. And in this podcast, I'll be sharing stories from social and creative entrepreneurs and leaders to help inspire you as a change maker to do good and do well. Hi everyone and welcome to the Do Good and Do Well podcast. In today's episode I'm talking to the brilliant Glyn Fenton. Glyn was born in Jersey of Irish Breton parents. She got a degree in Canterbury as a mature student and single mum, taught in the UK before moving to France where she lived for 12 years running craft courses, renovating houses and teaching English as a foreign language. She now lives on the Kent coast and is a core member of Moving Memory Dance Theatre, a company of older women who make theatre shows and outdoor performances for audiences of all ages. The performances are often surprising, thought-provoking and funny. They inspire other people to explore their own creativity and have devised some special techniques called Moving Well, which they use in workshops and projects with all sorts of people of different ages and backgrounds. Glenn and I talk about her journey at Moving Memory, how it started with a flyer and turning up to a workshop, and 10 years later, having made performances, films and installations and presented them in theatres and public spaces, and having trained to become a facilitator. Glynn talks about the importance of being part of Moving Memory and having a group of people that she can have a brilliant laugh with where there's loads of trust and no judgment and where they can be a little bit naughty. naughty. Hello, Glynn. Welcome to the Do Good and Do Well podcast. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Sarah. I have got so many questions for you. I'm so happy that you are here talking to me this morning. I'm just going to dive straight in and ask you to tell us a bit about yourself what would you like us to know about you oh let me think I'm 72 retired I live near the coast I'm married I have a dog two cats I do lots of things but mostly I'm totally involved with a a dance theatre company now which um, has kind of taken over my life. Before that, I trained to teach late. I lived abroad for quite a long time, did lots of sort of craft things and a bit of volunteering. Yeah, lots of lots of different things. Fab. Tell me about the dance company. The dance company is called Moving Memory Dance Theatre Company. Mm. And it's a group of six women in the core company who started about 10 years ago. It was actually, it wasn't set up as a dance company. It started off with the people who were starting the company making a call out for volunteers because they wanted to do a piece for a festival at the university in Kent and they needed volunteers, women of a certain age, to tell a story that they'd been working on before. So a friend of mine handed me a flyer and said, oh, this looks as if it might interest you. And I went along knowing nothing at all about it. I'd had no movement or dance experience at all. And as it turned out, the project was to do with movement and dance. And as we went through the process of making that piece, the people who were involved so enjoyed it. 
uh, it was just such a wonderful experience that we asked if we could just do it, do, do more of it. We really wanted to carry on. We didn't want it to just stop at one project. And I suppose that was the start of the company, really. Sean and Jane, who started the company off, really wanted to give more performance opportunities for older women because in the arts it's quite often a cut-off point when you reach 50 you start to find that you know work is more difficult etc so that was the primary aim and as the company's kind of evolved it's become a company that wants to tell people stories wants to say look because you're old you you are still valid, you still have a voice, you still have something to say, and it's something that's really valuable. And so that's become the focus of the company, really, to, to make people sit up and take notice and say, look, these women have got something to say. And so that's how the company started. Mm. Yeah, and that thing about making people sit up and... Um notice is so key I so for all the listeners out there I'm chair of trustees for the organization and one of the reasons that I wanted to do it was because the company made me sit up and notice and I, I think it's really important to get across that this work isn't about little old ladies you know doing little sweet dance movements like you guys are powerful you know standing in your power and saying we have got something to say and you are going to listen (laughs) you know I've seen a few of those performances and it just gets me every time that the strength that you bring to that performance it's so amazing and the images the costumes the aesthetics of it is so beautiful that you can't help but stop and listen well we do set out to to make a point and you're right saying everything goes towards that because we're not just a dance company it is a a combination of movement of the spoken word of fabulous costumes we do love a costume and we do like to make a statement with the costumes so it's it's um visually it's makes an impact And I think probably the most impact we've made is with the street pieces that we do, because we do theatre performances and also we do pop-up pieces, which we can take anywhere. We've taken those pieces all over the place in in the UK, um, to Paris, up to Glasgow and all over the place and performed Mm -hmm. in places that aren't normally associated with that kind of performance. So shopping centres, we performed in a monastery once, um, art galleries, just on the street, uh, anywhere, anywhere that we can find a space we can perform. And so we reach different audiences, which is great. What's been your favourite piece so far? Oh, it has to be Cracking the Crinoline. It's our iconic street piece, really, which, as you said, it, it's not just little old. It actually starts off with the, the company looking like little old ladies in black and in bonnets clutching their little purses on the way to church. And then the piece transforms so that we become something more more like Amazonian women with mm. with a great deal of physical power and yeah so it's a transforming piece and that's really what we try to do with our street pieces is to say okay here we are this is what you think we are but actually we're not that really we've something so different mm. yeah so much more for sure so as you know this podcast is called do good and do well so what do those words mean for you that's really difficult to answer. <laughs> do that. I think initially I thought, well, do good. Just try to be generally a nice person. Try to be kind. Try not to say something off on, on the spur of the moment, but think before you speak sometimes. 
be more accepting. Uh, I think that the whole phrase is just, for me, is most important in the little things. It's not going out doing great works. It's doing things that you can do on a, maybe from day to day, occasional things, just stopping and taking time and being a bit more patient with people. Mm, yeah, that's really lovely. It is, and it is though, those micro moments of, you know, how you interact and how you connect with others is so important and before we started the um recording we were talking about what you know what does a change maker mean and I was saying to Glyn that for me change making isn't always about making a huge splash in the world it 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 can be those tiny moments it can be how we go about our day-to-day and live a life that is aligned to our values and yeah, how we want to be with each other. Well, I think that's right. I think it's impossible to make huge changes as an individual unless you are someone totally exceptional with a huge backup of resources and um, a whole cadre of people around you who are going to get you to that place that you want to be. I think it's I think it's really difficult. And I think these days, oh, I don't want to be too political, but I think it's proved that as an individual, you can have all the values that you like, but sometimes you're powerless against the the bigger changes so you, and it's quite difficult to maintain your equilibrium and your beliefs when you think that you can't make a change so you have to do just the little things you can't go out all out for the big things because mm. it's impossible mm. yeah but just wait then when millions of people are, are listening to this podcast <laughs> and we are changing the world and people's perceptions of older women just just yes. wait <laughs> Well, one of the mantras that we tend to come back to in moving memory is we're going to change the world. Yeah. (laughs) We haven't quite yet, but, you know, we might. I I have no doubt. I have no doubt. What about the do well part of it? What, what, What does that mean for you? Do well. I don't know. I know what it doesn't mean for me. It doesn't mean pass your exams, get top grades, make lots of money. So it means whatever the opposite is of of that. I think it's being content in yourself mm. and and being um yeah being content. I suppose. Mm. What does being content look like for you? Oh, that's tricky as well. Hmm. It's a very difficult question to answer, particularly given the last year, mm. because I I haven't been. I don't think I've been quite myself in the last year. And I think I've had quite extreme feelings. And a lot of the time I've spent being very, very angry. And that's not me either, because normally I would say, well, something unfortunate happens, bad happens, you have a big slump. And then you think, come on, we just get up and get on with this because Mm. we have to. When have you been at your most content? It usually involves being out of doors, in a garden, with animals with good friends or family that I can actually have a laugh with. I love having a laugh and, you know, life has been quite gloomy. Mm. And sometimes when you're just with one person, albeit that you love that one person, they're not necessarily the person that makes you laugh all the time. And I think being content is a, a great big naughty, raunchy laugh with, with people who, who who feel the same as you. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. I remember having a conversation with my mother-in-law. It was it was a long time ago now, but she was saying that 
one person can't be all to another and actually you, you need different people for different things and she talked about laughing as well being with her friends she's got friends from when she was eight years old and she's in her 80s now and the ability to sit and talk and laugh with them mm. so important to her and it just it made me stop and think about yeah you can't just rely on one person for everything yeah that didn't and that comes back to the company again I think one of the reasons that it succeeds is that we've got five members of the original company still in the core Mm. and okay some people have you know come and gone we've lost a couple for various reasons although we're a completely disparate group of people really there's something that sparks off that kind of fun in us Mm. And we can behave so badly. I mean, it's just you riotous. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. um, we're well known for being very badly behaved on the on the minibus when we do go on tour. Um, but it's such, such a release. It's so fantastic to be able to, to be in the company of a group of people to whom you can say anything. Mm. And they're not shocked and they're not, they don't judge and they don't talk about you afterwards. It's completely open and completely free. That's a glorious thing. So I imagine then that the support that you've had from each other in 2020 has been really important. And I know that you haven't been able to meet in the same space, but that you have really, well, you've still been making work and still connecting. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, we did our last live performance just the day before the first lockdown. And so we'd had a really lovely build-up, you know, the whole rehearsal process and the lead-in to that performance was very innovative. It's always very exciting. It's very charged with all sorts of things. So we did the performance, then lockdown the following day. And that was initially an enormous blow, more so than just being in a domestic situation, because we would normally have had a good debrief, a good chat about it, you know, talked about what we were doing next, where we were going to take the piece next. And suddenly, not just the the doing of anticipate further performances of that piece, it was just cut off. So initially, it was very difficult. And members of the company took lockdown in various degrees of, of badness, really. A couple of people were suffering quite badly. So we kept in touch initially, um, thanks to the wonders of technology. You know, mm-hmm. we, we kept in touch just to, as a group, just to chat once a week or whenever we needed to. And we kept in touch with each other. We, Although we're not bosom buddies outside the company, we do care about each other and we do have a sort of mutual support system, I think. And I think we know each other well enough to know when something is needed without mm. being intrusive. So we were a good support group. Um, and we started chatting on Zoom and initially talking about what the possibilities were for what we could do. And then we had a weekly, a weekly rehearsal slot online instead of doing it physically, which was, it was necessary, it was good once we started doing that, getting back into the routine of what would have been a real workshop, but doing it virtually, I think that helped enormously, really. And then we started thinking about the possibilities of extending our work. Because apart from doing performances with the core company, we also what we call moving well workshops, which follow the same principle as the, the core's work, which is making some kind of choreography out of the stories of the people who are involved in the workshop. 
So we set up a first moving well group, and that was fabulous, actually, because by then we were starting to understand how we could use the technology and what differences it would make to, to doing it online. And so we were trying out different techniques online, which we wouldn't have used in reality. And the first workshop was great because not only did we get a group of people who needed that workshop, who were suffering really through lockdown, through isolation, and really enjoyed the fact that they were with a group of people and making new friends. But we had people from Newcastle, Sheffield, the Isle of Wight, Canada, Mm. And so instantly it kind of broadened out how the company can reach people and what the possibilities might be for the future. So that really was the focus of our work. We also adapted one of our past shows to do what we called delightful deliveries, where we would go in our one of our very silly costumes for someone's birthday, take along a bunch of flowers and us dressed in outlandish, bizarre orange costumes, stand in the middle of their street, play the music and do a little dance for them, which is a, a sort of happy dance. And we did two, of, yeah, we started off with two of those during the first lockdown. And that was joyous too. It, it really did lift the people that we were delivering our, our dance to. And it started again to make people in the street stop and stop the traffic for five minutes People smiled, you know, it was just a little bit of something, a little bit of something bright in the middle of what was quite a gloomy time. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at possibilities to make different work, really, not knowing how long this is going to carry on for. We need to have, have a focus. And I think it's kept us going really through the year. It's been really, really powerful to watch. I know it has been really difficult. And we had our AGM where some of the work that had happened over the year had been presented and I had such a moment of feeling so proud of the company of Cuffco which is an associate company that's come out of the work and the young people that have worked alongside of you as well and it's so brilliant to see that care and the support that you all have for each other but also still engaged with the creative work still making mm. still still thinking about, well, what's next? What can we do? How can we keep going? It's been really, really lovely to see. It's quite interesting to know what comes first, because actually I think for the core company, initially it was wanting to perform, but then as we've evolved with the Moving Well groups, the pleasure of seeing other people's pleasure has become as important, and that isn't something that I realised at the beginning. Because I, yeah, I love the performance side of it. Don't get me wrong; absolutely, could, we couldn't do without that. But it's equally important when you see somebody. There's usually one person in a workshop who will say, "I never thought I could do that. I've been so moved, so uh, so taken with the whole process." And it's 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 just wonderful when you see somebody having seen a different side of their life or a different possibility, seeing people who are not confident suddenly find a confidence in themselves through making something for themselves because it's a collaborative making process. It's not an imposed routine or an imposed choreography. The, 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 the choreographies that we make are from the participants' movements. So everybody's involved, and I think that's an important part of it, that everybody helps to make something. And when you've made something you inevitably are proud of it and mm. makes you feel good. 
Yeah, there's a couple of points there. There's something about hearing you. Uh, I mean, t- get, tell me if I'm wrong here, but that's, uh, you know, being part of the company has built your confidence up in who you are, because I think you, you now are one of the facilitators, aren't you? I suppose I'm an example of the process from the beginning, because as I said, when I when I first did anything with what would become the company, to be honest, I was at quite a low point as well. I'd moved house. I'd finished renovating a house here. I'd moved back to England from abroad. Um, and I'd got to the point when I needed something else. And it was total chance that that first opportunity came along. You know, it really was complete serendipity, which I took. I mean, you have to take chances too, don't you? <laughs> and if yeah. you're fortunate enough to have them, put under your nose. So... Having taken that chance, and I was at a, quite a low, a big low, actually, in self-confidence and in what on earth am I doing with my life? What's going to happen next? Da, 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 da. So the company became really important for me and still is. Ten years worth of, of being with the company, and I still actually prioritise doing that over almost anything else, sometimes mm. even over family things. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. We've got <laughs> rehearsal performance whatever so yes that built my confidence enormously but for a long time I thought yes I can be a a company member love doing this but I'll never be able to run a workshop or to to take any control over things and then slowly we did We, we would take take it in turns to kind of do parts of workshops and I learned I learned by doing I suppose I was an apprentice really the perfect apprenticeship model and then having done that, I thought, yeah, oh, I can I can do this. I can run the the uh, warm-up exercises. I can do that. But I'll never be able to get choreography out of a group. But I can, you know, and I've learned that. And that, well, it's a skill that, that mm. I've got, and it's just fantastic. Mm. And as you say, the pleasure that comes from creating a space where people feel that they're valued, that their contribution is valued, yeah. that they have something yeah. worth saying, it's important that they're being listened to. It, it, You know, as a coach, for me, that's one of the key things, being able to help people reach their potential. It's the one of the bits I love most in the world. So my next question then, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? Well, I would give my younger self, oh dear, goodness me, be braver, try to take more chances. Oh, it's a big question, isn't it? Because I think when you're younger, you are so influenced by people around you, by all the adults, by by your friendship groups and it's very hard to be an individual isn't it I would say yeah be try to be a little bit more brave try to think twice and say well maybe I can instead of automatically saying no to things that you might benefit from but also I'm equally on the other side I would say don't always say yes to things yeah so often we get I've been drawn into doing things that I really didn't want to do. And from the minute I opened my mouth and said, oh, yes, I will, immediately thought, why did I say that? And then I've got to go through with it and I've got to do it even though I don't want to. And that, that's a bad feeling. Mm. So maybe take more chances on the one hand, but, yeah, say no sometimes. Mm. Well, I guess it's about, I talk a lot with my clients about this about knowing in what direction you're heading and really knowing what your values are and what drives you so that you can then 
know, know what you want to say yes to and know what you want to say no to. And it's really hard. And I think yeah, there's but, something about practice. <laughs> practice. Gets. Well, there is, because I think you can do, you have to run the, the, the gauntlet of doing all these things wrongly when you're younger. And it's only when you get older that you actually know how to do these things. And it takes years to actually learn to say no. It takes such a long time. And actually, it takes a long time to know sometimes what your values really are. So I don't think it's something you could tell your, because you can tell your young self till you're blue in the face, but your young self is still going to go on and do the, do the wrong things and make all the mistakes. Mm. And that's how we learn, isn't it? By making mistakes. Yeah, maybe that's how we get here. That's how you were sat there and I'm sat here yes. <laughs> through yeah. our success and failure. Yeah. So what's next? What's next for Glyn? What's next for moving memory? Mm. Oh, again, it's it's a hard one to to answer when we're still in the middle of a very uncertain time. I think because I, I personally veer from great optimism at the talk of vaccines and infection rates going down with COVID, et cetera, et cetera. And then I get into great gloomy patches because the virus isn't going to go away and other political things are happening that are against my values. Mm. So it's quite hard to be optimistic for me. What it holds for the company is carrying on doing more of whatever we can do in whatever way we can do it. And I think we're hoping, and in fact, it's, it's, we're, we're hoping to expand a little bit more. So the whole downtime of COVID actually has had a positive side in that we've realised that we can expand the company's activities either virtually or in reality by having people in different parts of the country. We know that we can do more than we anticipated online, so that's going to be probably a big part of how we carry on with the constant hope that we'll be able to get back together properly, physically, to rehearse and to perform again as soon as we possibly can. You know, we are an older company, and I suppose technically most of us are clinically vulnerable because we're old but we've got to get over that and get back together because that's what we do best and that's what we're looking forward to mm. yeah well I'm feeling optimistic I Good. think I think it will happen <laughs> because I'm not quite sure there's anything that would stop the core company <laughs> moving memory we do, just... we'll do it somehow I don't know how but yes we will you'll think of you'll think of we will rule the world. Yeah, you'll think of new naughty ways of uh, disrupting what's going on. <laughs> we're, never, we're never short of naughtiness, that's for sure. Um, actually, I was going to ask you, can you talk a little bit about the last piece that you performed before lockdown beside me? Because I, I went oh, wow. to see that and I think it would just be really good to talk about that a little bit. Describing it is a bit bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's like nothing else. Um, okay, so the idea for the piece came from thinking about food and about memorable meals that we'd had and how that would relate. Uh, well, it, it was about food and intimacy mm. because quite often meals are sort of, they are close events, aren't they? There, there's a level of intimacy with a family meal with, with in all kinds of different situations. So that was the germ of the idea and we worked on that. The end result, I can't go through the whole process because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, actually it's, it's very hard to describe how our performances evolve because they do evolve and change as we go along. So the audience was seated at tables which were laid for a meal. It was going to be a three-course meal and each course 
started with the idea of our memorable meals. So I think the first course was uh, minestrone soup, then it was spaghetti, and then angel delight. So we have our audience seated in the space, the food is set up, ready to go, and then the performers emerge and combine serving the meal with the performance. So the whole thing is a sort of a mixed interactive event. And I suppose the other underlying premise of this meal was that back in the day, in the bad old 50s or 60s or whatever, women were totally trained to be the perfect little wife. And we wanted to also break that perfect little wife model. So initially, we were the perfect little wife, responding to the whims of an associate performer who a man, this is the first time we'd performed with a, with a man. And so the story, if you like, of the piece was that we are the wives being terribly coy, terribly submissive, terribly subjected to the rules of etiquette and what you do and how you serve your food and how you behave with your guests, etc., etc. And as the piece went on, which is kind of typical of, the, of, our, of our work, really, the, the roles reversed and the women became more powerful and less submissive and basically took over the whole piece and became extremely rebellious and naughty. And we ended up in our underwear throwing angel delight at each other, which was a glorious finale. So, yeah, there were very serious themes of male-female relationships, of how we react with with each other, but overlaid with enormous humour and a bit of slapstick. So it was, a, it was a, a very mixed, a very strange, unusual performance, unusual for us. It pushed the boundaries for us in terms of performance. And I think it pushed the boundaries for some of the audience as well. But we yeah. were really looking forward to taking that on and hopefully will in the future. Yeah, I think there was a couple of things about being served by performers, firstly. To take that on is quite tricky, I think, to perform and serve a meal and serve very well. I mean, it seems to me that often the performances end up with you taking clothes off at some point. So to end up... Not entirely. <laughs> Transformational. And we're normally still fully clothed. But this time is the first time we've been we've been down to our slips, shall we say. How did you feel about doing that? Challenging. It was challenging. Um, in spite of the fact that we all say it doesn't matter, there are issues with all of us about body image. Mm. And do we really want to stand there in a slip in front of strangers? You know, the, yeah, it was it was very challenging. But the group is very supportive of each other. And although it, it was daunting and we had a new member of the company in the mix and this was her first performance, so it was even more difficult for her, I think. But we do support each other and we do trust each other and we trust our creative director implicitly and we know that she wouldn't ever make us do anything that made us look ridiculous mm. or demeaned us in any way. And in fact, through the, through the performance, I think, again, what came out was the power the yeah we felt very powerful and normally you feel quite vulnerable when you're in that kind of situation but yeah we felt absolutely on top of the world and as if we could have done anything I think we could have run down the street in our underwear and shouted at the world and said you know here we are yeah it's very good it was a good feeling Mm, yeah wouldn't it be amazing if all women could feel like that at all ages yeah Mm. certainly would 
Thank you so much. It's been really brilliant talking to you and you know how much I love the moving memory work and how much I support it and how much I think it's absolutely needed in this world and I will do whatever I can to support you all. How do people find out about this amazing company? Okay what you do quite simply is go to movingmemorydance.com. I'll say that again movingmemorydance.com. That's all one word com um, on the website you'll find the history of the company who we are what we do a lot of film clips of past performances give you an idea of what the kind of work we do and as of recently there's a whole series of workshop possibilities that you can sign up for if you want to start your own moving well company that would actually take you from the beginning give you ideas for warm-ups for improvisations for choreographic exercises which for a very small fee you can set up your own company of feeling fantastic and there we are yeah absolutely really check out that training because there is so there's so many resources in there and I know that the members of the company run it's all on film isn't it you running things and giving suggestions and you can sign up and become a a part of that membership thank you thank you have a really lovely rest of the day and thank you sarah i will see you soon okay Bye. Bye. bye i really hope you enjoyed hearing from glyn if you'd like to know more, please do check out the Moving Memory website. I'll put all the details in the show notes. And if you're a change maker, a social or creative entrepreneur who wants to do good and do well, please pop along to my free Facebook group or you can check out my website www.sarahfox.co.uk. Take very, Take very good, good care. care.